Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 52 of the SCO Show. And the happy music is back. The joy in my voice is back. Why? Because the Patriots won a game and they avoided their first three-game losing streak since the 2002 season. The Patriots go into Cincinnati, yes, against the 1-12, now 1-13 Cincinnati Bengals. But they get off the schneid, get back in the win column, and now they set themselves up for a pivotal short week against the Buffalo Bills on Saturday afternoon. The New England Patriots with a W, 34-13 over the Cincinnati Bengals. Since it's a glorious victory edition installment, we're going to have our great, our good, our bad, our take of the game, our game balls, all the stuff you probably forgot we would do on these shows. And we're also going to have an extra segment, the elephant in the room. You'll probably know where I'm going with that. It can't all be good times. It can't all be puppies and kittens and sugar plums, even though the holiday season is upon us. Before all that, though, your usual cavalcade of announcements. Please do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scout and Portfolio, and yes, a trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit, let's talk the great. And you have to start with Stephon Gilmore. Massive game for Gilmore. Gilmore, two interceptions, one of which was a pick six, almost had a third. We kick it off with our very early take of the game, which comes to us via the SCO Show Slack channel from Alex A. Again, if you'd like to be a member, hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schofield or send an email, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. And Alex pointed out, after the pick six, DPOY. And that was it. And that's your take of the game. Why? Because Stephon Gilmore should be your defensive player of the year. Leads the league in interceptions. Obviously, the pick six today, which was huge. What this defense has meant to the New England Patriots this year has been huge. And I want to talk about technique for a moment. I got a chance to do a little uh, coaching clinic last week. The one and only Coach Vass tremendous scholar and gentleman defensive coordinator out in high school in California but he took some time with myself and some other people actually like three and a half hours on Wednesday night to talk coverage coverage recognition coverage techniques and he blurted out a phrase about coverage technique which I am just going to quote here this isn't my phrase it's something the coaches tell defensive backs to do 
when you're using sort of trail coverage, playing like off the back hip of a defender, he said, and I quote, you put your dick in his hip, okay? I'm just putting it out there. But if you look at the first interception on the sort of curl route, where he's basically in the right hip pocket of the defender and sort of, you know, one step behind him, in perfect position to undercut the route for an interception. That's a great example of that colorful phrase I just used. Even the near interception on the go route along the right sideline. And I know James Lofton pointed out that Andy Dalton could have dropped it in there with a little bit of touch, throw it to the back pylon, and maybe it's a touchdown. Gilmore is step for step in that back hip pocket, nearly pulls off the interception. And then you see the pick six, the ability to click and close. He had just given up an inside slant route to Tyler Boyd a couple of plays earlier. He's playing outside leverage. Boyd runs an out route. He lets him get to the outside, but he clicks and closes on the route and gets under it, times it perfectly for the interception, for the pick six, pivotal play at that point in the contest. And the technique from Stephon Gilmore this season, all year long, has been nothing short of teaching team. Look, if you're listening to this show and you're a high school coach, well, awesome, thanks. I'm, I'm always excited when coaches dig the work. But you put Stephon Gilmore on in front of your young defensive backs and you say, this is how you play the position. He has been so incredible this year that I do believe he's the defensive player of the year. And that's why we give the early shout-out to Alex A., I think you have to give a shout-out to J.C. Jackson as well. He played tremendous for this team, and you might need him going forward if you look at how this game ended with Jonathan Jones. And also, Jonathan Jones has struggled recently. And so J.C. Jackson with a number of interceptions today as well. Tremendous technique and body control on the first one to be able to sort of get down inbounds. I know they reviewed it, seeing if his left hand came down before the knee, but that was really well done. And also, tremendous body control on the vertical route. Again, staying not exactly, you know, in the guy's back hip pocket, but pretty close. Does a great job turning and looking for the football and locating it, coming down with the interception. Great job by J.C. Jackson. I know the run defense was a little shaky, Mixon had 136 yards rushing, but they were able to do enough to where the run game really sort of went out of the playbook for Cincinnati, and they put it into Andy Dalton's hands, and he responded by throwing four interceptions, and it could have been five. It could have been more, actually. You think back to that early in the game play where the ball flutters out of his hands, and Mixon comes down with the catch. Hightower couldn't locate the football in the air. Dalton easily could have thrown six picks in this game. And so, pass defense, Gilmore, Jackson, tremendous out of the gate. The defense as a whole, I thought, played extremely well. Yes, they got carved up a little bit early. Yes, the run defense is something to think about, but that was literally Cincinnati's like one strength offensively was Joe Mixon. He's a good player. He got 136. That's a, you'd tip your hat to him, but you kept him out of the end zone. And so, the defense, again, fantastic. The special teams, again, fantastic. The huge play late in the first half. Matthew Slater getting his arm in there at the catch point right as Alex Alex Erickson is making that catch. You know, they recover the fumble 
That's huge for the Patriots at that point in the game as well. And so defense and special teams, they're certainly continuing to lead the way for this franchise. The other great thing I did want to talk about was the run game for the New England Patriots offense. And I said going into this week that we all sort of hoped it was a get-right game for the Patriots offense. We all sort of hoped that it was a a get-right game for Tom Brady. Well, I made the case, wrote it over at Pat's pulpit, this could be a get-right game for the running game. Now, we we pointed out the numbers coming into this game. Cincinnati giving up 4.9 yards per carry. You know, up there, one of the worst units in the league in that stat. Giving up 156.7 yards per game on the ground. Worst in the league in that stat. And yes, that's a game script thing to consider there because they've lost 12 games. Teams are going to run the ball against them. But New England as a team against the Bengals today, 32 carries for 175 yards and a touchdown with a lawn of 33. But that 175 yards rushing, season high for the New England Patriots. And we saw them get the ground game going early on their opening drive of the game. You had some runs. You had Sonny Michelle with a cutback run for a gain of 12 on a second and two. That's what I talked about. The cutback opportunities were there on film against this Bengals defense, and we saw it. We saw it late in the game, the the Burkhead touchdown run. Tremendous burst, tremendous change of direction ability. Jesse Bates, who's a very good free safety in the middle of the field, nothing but air. Burkhead, and if the broadcast was right, longest touchdown run, longest run of his career, that 33-yard run. So the ground game got going, which I thought was great to see because, as we're going to talk about later, question marks remain about this passing game. Definitely getting that Week 16, 2018, 2019 season vibe right about now. I wonder if you are too. So that's some of the great stuff. I want to talk about some of the good. We're going to start with Nikhil Harry. Josh McDaniels said this week that he wanted to get him involved more. He wanted to get Harry involved in this offense. Two carries for 22 yards with a lot of 12 on those two end round plays. Two catches for 15 yards and a touchdown on four targets. It's not a ton of usage, but it's a lot more than we've seen from him. And he got flagged for that weak OPI call. I I really thought that was a weak call against him. They were getting him involved more. And what I thought was really interesting, there was a play, and I'm looking through my notes right now, but there was a play where the Patriots just ran the ball inside. But they showed that end around, that end around look to Nikhil Harry. And it drew a lot of defensive attention. Even though they weren't handing him the ball, you had a couple of defenders looking for Harry, watching him, buy it in on that little play fake to him on that fake end around after they ran it twice. That's a good thing to see going forward. If you think about teams seeing stuff on film, If you're Baltimore, if you're Kansas City or Houston or some of the other teams, Buffalo even, with this week coming up, you start to wonder about Nikhil Harry and they could set some things up off of that, show that little end around, maybe a deep shot or a crosser or something. One more thing than defensive coordinators are going to have to game plan for. And so the Nikhil Harry usage was great. His touchdown reception, tremendous job. He's running that fade to the back corner. Offensive line gave Brady a ton of time on this play. That wasn't a constant today. But Harry does a great job. 
and coming down the back line of the end zone, not stepping out of bounds, keeping himself a viable receiver, dive and catch. That was a fantastic play. Had a dive and catch early in this game, but got called back for a penalty. And so I was very impressed both with his usage and what we saw from him. So great game from him. Other good things that I wanted to highlight as we're in the sort of good section before we take a quick little break, some of the individual plays, the Sony Michelle run on their, their opening possession, that gain of 12 on a second and two, that's the cutback stuff. The running back screen for the touchdown to James White, Karras, Joe Dooney, Shaq Mason paving the way. Tremendous job by those three guys getting out in front of it. Don't really want to talk about Cincinnati's opening possession. Wasn't a lot of great stuff to see there. You get into Cincinnati's second possession, the slant on a third and eight. Stephon Gilmore with a pass breakup at the catch point. They had to settle for a field goal, which was great. Um, New England's third possession. This is the last play of the first quarter. It's a second and 10. Brady throws a rocket shot to Muhammad Sanu on a sit route. No absolute lack of velocity there. Third and eight early in the second quarter. Uh, hitch route to Harry, who fights for the first down. Very good play from him at that point in the game. Like to see that. Mentioned the the first end around to Harry. The out to Edelman, his 91st catch of the season. Edelman, quiet game, struggled a little bit, but I do think he's battling through some injuries. Um, Cincinnati's third possession of the game. This is when it's 10-7 Cincinnati. You had a second and seven. They set up a screen, and this has potential to go. Like he's got blockers in front, but John Simon chases it down from behind. A bit of a makeup play for him because he'd been flagged for a defensive holding earlier in the game when Dietrich Wise had gotten some early in the drive, actually, when Dietrich Wise got some pressure on Andy Dalton, forced a throw away, but it was negated by a holding penalty on John Simon. Simon then on this second and seven chases it down from behind. And then the the stop on fourth and one. Huge play by this defense. Danny Shelton stopping Mixon. Huge play by this defense. Ensuing possession for New England Patriots. Uh, Sonny Michelle had a nice, strong run. Shaq Mason pulling in front of him. That was great to see. Now, they had to settle for a field goal, which isn't great. But on a first and 10 on that play, before they got set up you know, down near the end zone, Play action seemed to Matt Lacoste. Lacoste struggled, but Brady threw the seam to him off of play action. This was a play that we talked about on this show where he had Lacoste on a seam against Kansas City but doesn't throw it. I talked about it with Evan Lazar on the All-22 pod this week as well. But here, he throws it to Lacoste on the seam, takes a little bit off of it as well. Very nice. Liked seeing that. Defense responds with, after the field goal to make it 10-10, they go 3-0. and out. You get Butler with a stop on first down, a toss to the left that gets turned inside, tackled by Butler for just a gain of two. Then on third and eight, they check it down. Collins with a pretty good tackle. Bernard almost wriggled free, but got him down, so they forced a three and out. Then you get a short field, which was great. Now the offense didn't do much, but you get the the muff recovery at the next end of their next possession. Getting into the second half now, um, Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's first possession of the game of the second half. You get pressure on Dalton from Wise and Lawrence Guy that forces a throw away. Gilmore with the interception on Boyd, which we just talked about, the one-handed catch. Um, Patriots, they capitalize here. You get the Nikhil Harry touchdown, which is fantastic. You had the third and two. You had the fake jet tossed to White that gains 13. Brady with a little sell job screaming before the snap. Go, Jules. You got to go. You got to go. Making him think he might be giving it to him. Defenders pay attention to that. That was a nice little play. 
let's see the Gilmore pick six. We talked about it, you know, great job to click and close on that. Um, let's see, this is the play, the New England's eighth drive of the game. It's a second and six. They run Michelle inside for five, but they fake Harry on the end around slash jet sweep, which they've run twice, drew some attention. Now Michelle, they had a fumble in the exchange when there was this immediate penetration on that third and run. Pitchers were lucky Michelle just fell on the ball. Cincinnati's ninth possession of the game, still in the third quarter. First and 10, Mixon, minimal gain just for two. Shelton, great penetration inside to stop that. Second and eight, toss to the left. Winovich did a very good job setting the edge. Running back cuts inside. Then you get Collins and Winovich combining for the tackle to hold it to three. Eifert had a great catch on that wheel route on the very next play, though. But then they're driving, third and four. J.C. Jackson with that tremendous pick. That's reviewed and it stands, so great play by him. Uh, Cincinnati's next possession, they had a third and two. Run to the left edge. Juwan Bentley with great penetration inside that makes a tackle for a loss of two. They went for it on fourth and got it. Um, they had a second and nine uh, slant to Boyd, which looked like it might go a little bit, but Harmon from the backside makes a great tackle working over to stop that short of the first down. Uh, third and 15, Woodovich and Kyle Van Noy get some great pressure on Andy Dalton's throw under pressure falls incomplete. The second and eight play on New England's 10th possession. This is the play where Brady hits Sanu and then Sanu fumbles it and the Bengals committed like 17 penalties on the play. And so really they just took the defensive holding penalty. Brady's pocket movement in the throw. That was good to see. That was good stuff from Tom Brady. And then the Burkhead touchdown on which you mentioned. Great change of direction. You know, entire team went down to celebrate with him. It seemed like that run, that touchdown run meant a lot to this offense. So, there's some of the individual plays, the good stuff, really hairy there, and then the great Gilmore in the defense, the run game. That's all the good and happy stuff. Up next, we're going to talk about some bad and the elephant in the room. That's all ahead on episode 52, a glorious victory edition of the SCO Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 52 of the Show, a glorious victory edition. The New England Patriots getting back in the win column with a victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, 34-13. to The win improves the Patriots record to 11-3, which, look, it's is it kind of where we thought we would be with two games to go? Maybe. I know a lot of people probably had 13-3 and down, and here they are. Obviously, two games remaining, so... We'll get to those in short order. Before we get to the bad, before we get to the elephant in the room, I did want to give a shout-out to the Patriots fans who were at First Energy Stadium today. Seemed like the crowd was basically in full voice, especially when you get to the end of the game when it sounded like the Brady chant was the predominant chant, the predominant noise being generated by the crowd. I did want to shout-out one Patriot fan in particular, listener to the show, Erica Prohl. 
at Erica's Homes for you on Twitter, longtime listener of the show, who made the trip down from the great white north to check out this game. So Patriots fans, they always travel well this week. No exception to that rule. Now, let's talk some bad stuff. We're going to start with drops. This was an issue today. You had Edwin with some drops. And I know, look, he, he's a warrior. He's fighting through some injuries. He's clearly banged up, no, nowhere close to 100%. It was questionable if he'd even go against the Bengals. So two catches, nine yards on five targets. You know, he had a, an 11-yard reception, and then he had that weird play before halftime, sort of like the throw to the flat, which went for a loss of two. That was a strange play call. Somebody in the Scotia Slack channel actually commented, which is the team that's 1-12 seeing that drive? So Edelman was banned up. Sanu had some drops as well. Michelle had a drop on what could have been a touchdown. And we're going to get to the Brady side of that throw in a second. But drops are an issue. And for a passing game, which is struggling to put everything together, struggling to make plays, struggling to be consistent, drops are an issue. You know, it was great to see Harry on the touchdown catch, you know, very sure-handed there. But would like to see them show some consistency at the catch point. So drops are an issue. Injuries, I know Mason said he was okay. He felt like he had something pop in his ankle. That's what he told Evan Lazar. But he said, Evan did on Twitter, that Mason looks to be okay. The bigger injury, I think, might be Jonathan Jones. Especially if you look ahead to Saturday afternoon. Cole Beasley means a ton to that Buffalo Bills offense and what they do. He's been a huge acquisition for them, for the development of Josh Allen. They're going to need to have Jonathan Jones to cover Cole Beasley. Otherwise, you get a little wary about, or even more so, about that game. So we'll keep an eye on Jonathan Jones. Some of the individual bad plays to talk about before the elephant in the room, the Cincinnati's opening possession, the second and eighth play where they run that toss to the right. Collins has this blowed up on, you know, Mixon. Kyle Van Noy sets the edge. Collins has him for a tackle for a loss, but he can't wrap him up. And it instantly brings to mind, I'm sure everybody watching this had the same thought. Your mind flashed to that HBO special of Saban and Belichick. When Belichick talking about they lose a game, he gets on the plane and everybody's got computers and spreadsheets out. And he's like, guys, we lost because we couldn't tackle. You know, that's exactly where my mind flashed. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to lose this game and it's going to be prophetic the scene from that HBO special. So the tackling was bad in this game. The touchdown, easy hitch route to a guy that had as going into this game as many catches as I did. And Jonathan Jones gets caught in between. He doesn't know if he should make a play on the ball or not. He hesitates. And what's the line from The Rock, one of Michael Bay's greatest films? You can never hesitate. If you think, you're dead. And that's what happens. He gets caught in between. He's not in a position to make the tackle, and he doesn't make a play on the ball, and the guy's dancing in the end zone with his first catch in the National Football League. So that was a bad play. Jonathan Jones has probably struggled in recent weeks. Not probably, he has. And so you wonder about him. New England's second possession of the game, third and eight. They leave Matt Lacoste alone on a defender to block him. I believe it was Pratt, number 58, and Lacoste can't get it done. Brady takes a shot, pass falls incomplete. I know that there's a thought that you can never leave tight ends alone in one-on-one pass blocking situations, but if they bring pressure, 
that might have to happen, and the tight end needs to do a better job there. Uh, Cincinnati's second possession of the game, second to 13, they were on a draw. It gains five because Collins misses a tackle. Tackling. Everybody's grabbing out there. The third and three to start the second quarter. Harry on a nine route makes a great catch, but Edelman flagged for a false start. Don't like seeing that. Fourth and four at the end of that possession. Pass goes through Sanu's hands. Brady's throws a little bit high. We're going to talk about that. Brady have six of 14 to that point in the game. So again, you get one of those drops. Um, the third and 11. This is after that play we were just talking about, the Edelman play that loses two yards. You get Mason and Cannon. They lose track of Hubbard on a tackle and exchange stunt. It results in a sack. They had everybody else blocked up. Didn't get him. So they're forced to punt. Now, thankfully, they recover the muff punt, but that was a bad play at that moment. The play-action flood that was designed to go to Michelle, Michelle drops it. Brady's, has a, Brady's throws off, but Michelle could probably make this catch. It would have been tough, but he could have made it. Next bad play here, Cincinnati's seventh possession. This is when it's 20-10 to 10 New England. It's a first and 10. They just lose the edge. Mixon gets to the right edge. And the edge isn't set. Gain at 12. I talk about it all the time, but you got to set the edge, especially against a guy like Joe Mixon who's carving you up. Turn that stuff towards hell. Yeah, the sideline is there, but it can't reach out and make a tackle. And so you've got to turn these things inside. There's a reason when you fire up Madden to 2020 and you start playing a game, one of the first defensive drills they have to do is to set the edge. It's day one stuff. And so you need to do that. It was a shame to see that at that point in the game. Um, the third and three on New England's ninth play, the ninth drive of the game, early fourth quarter, tossed to the right. Lacoste just gets blown up. You know, he kind of takes, he's blocking down, and he takes a poor angle on it. He aims, he's blocking from the outside back in, moving to his left, and he aims to the wrong shoulder. He's got to get his head across and in front of that guy. And if he runs you over, like, fine. But he's not going to go make the tackle. So he takes a poor angle, and they get stopped. They, they have to punt the ball away. I know Jim Reynolds in the Scotia Slack channel, he's right. Tight end production is minimal at best. Tight end play has been bad this year. And every time a tight end screws up, Jim says it in the Slack channel, and he's 100% right. And again, I flash back to this past spring and winter. Went over it you know, in the Slack channel and over it when I was hosting Locked On Patriots. All we did was study tight ends. All we did was talk about tight ends and how many tight ends did they draft. Yeah. So that's kind of the bad stuff I want to talk about. We got to talk about the elephant in the room. And again, shades of week 16 last year. The passing game. It's a massive question mark. It is a massive, massive question mark right now. Now, the only thing that provides a glimmer of hope is the fact that at this point last year, you had that Week 16 game against Buffalo, we had no idea what that defense was going to become sort of down the stretch, right? We had no idea that they'd be able to hold the Rams to three points. We had no idea that they could slow down Kansas City yet again, just enough. You know, we had no idea the other things that they could do. We know what this defense is right now. So we don't need this offense to be a top five passing game right now. It just needs to be good enough. 
And can they be good enough? I think so, provided they lock down a bye. Because before the game, you know, Mike Giardi, who has covered this team for a long time, now with the NFL Network, you know, he tweeted out here at warmups, Tom Brady has been shaking out his arm elbow after every throw. Something to watch. The elbow has been a real thin for a couple months now and was exacerbated by a direct hit on it versus Kansas City. It seems like the elbow is bothering him. And when you see a lot of these throws that Brady is missing on, how do they start the game? First and 10, under center, play action, misses Sanu on a crosser, throw is high and off target. A lot of his throws were high and off target. And if you're dealing with elbow pain, if you're dealing with, you know, arm soreness, as somebody that's kind of been there, the last thing you really want to do is to follow through and to drive the ball in because it hurts to do it. And that messes up your release point and you leave passes high. I think the elbow thing is an issue right now. I didn't think it coming into this week. I thought it was more a load management thing since that's the phrase of the year right now, load management. I think the elbow is an actual issue, and they need that buy. They need to get him rested up. Is this passing game good enough to win in, against Buffalo this week? I think so. Is it good enough to obviously beat the you know, Dolphins in the final game of the season? Yeah, I think so. But this elbow thing, I think, is an issue, and I think that's why we're seeing some of these throws left high. Has the protection been great? No. Has he been helped as much as he could be? No. Eagles fans hear that and they're like, our guy's getting no help at all. But I digress. But I I think the elbow thing is a real problem right now. And they need that by more than anything else. And so that's sort of the elephant in the room right now, the passing game. I'm coming down more on the side that the elbow is more of an issue than we understand. And and that tweet pregame, when when Mike Giardi says it's a real thing, and it was exacerbated and it seemed like they told the CBS guys about it because they talked about how how he had that direct hit on the elbow against Kansas City. I think the elbow thing is a real issue. Now, I was happy to see the screen game make a return. This was something that Evan Lazar and I talked about on the All-22 pod this week. You know, handle the blitz, they don't have an answer for it, but they're a great screen team. And Evan pointed out they ran like one screen last week against Kansas City. They had a screen early for a touchdown. They had another screen later in the game to Michelle. Do more screen stuff. I'd like to see some of that going forward, especially this week against Buffalo. Players of the game, or game balls, excuse me. We had the take of the game. I'll reiterate it. Alex A, DPOY, Defensive Player of the Year for Stephon Gilmore. Couldn't agree with that more. Game balls, Gilmore gets one. JC Jackson gets one. Matthew Slater gets one on special teams on offense. Keel Harry gets one for the touchdown grab. Love that play. And Rex Burkhead for the touchdown run. If that's the longest run of his career, I think he's earned it. Now, plan for this week. Cincinnati is in the rear view. Usually I do a recap show of some kind. Now, we're moving on to Buffalo. Because I'm recording this before this game gets kicked off tonight. Recording on Sunday night before the Steelers-Bills game gets kicked off. Doesn't matter. That game Saturday is massive. So we're going full in on Buffalo. Might have two different guests talk about Buffalo this week, trying to get some guys lined up. But this is Buffalo week now. This is for the AFC East. This is the whole shebang. Need this one. And so 
We're going to focus on Buffalo. We're going to do a lot of stuff on the Bills this week to get you ready for Saturday. It's a short week, a little bit shorter for the Bills, but that's where our mind is right now on the Buffalo Bills. And so that's the plan for this week going forward. I did also want to mention, I mentioned this on Radio Rewind, which comes out every Saturday. I'll reiterate it again. Those of you in the Baltimore area, the Mid-Atlantic area, I talked about this when I used to do Locked on Patriots. If you're looking for a place to watch games, Dog Watch Tavern down in Fellas Point, a huge contingent of Patriots fans that go there. My parents have done it, done it from time to time. It's a great time. You know, Check it out. Kevin runs the group over there. They do a great job. It feels like Gillette when you're there. So if you're looking for a place to watch Pat's games, looking to watch it with some Patriots fans, get yourself down to Dog Watch down in Fellas. Check it out. That will be it for today. I will be back Wednesday and Thursday this week to get you ready for this huge AFC East clash this Saturday. Until then, friends, rejoice in a victory, and please keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.